Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you guys are doing okay. I know it has been ongoing weird times, and I hope that your family is staying healthy and well, and that your kids with anxiety and OCD are coping. And I know a lot of them actually surprisingly are, especially if germs and sickness is not their theme. I'm finding that most of the kids I'm working with in my practice at this point are doing okay. A little spike sometimes in their own anxiety and OCD themes, but surprisingly resilient. And I hope that that's what's happening at your house as well. We've had kind of a roller coaster over here. (laughs) It's been kind of up and down, but I know my eight-year-old was feeling sick a few days ago. Actually, it was last week. She was feeling sick on Tuesday of last week. And I thought she was just finally like getting kind of depressed about what's going on. And she was lethargic and she was moody and um, she was having some big meltdowns. I'm like, what is going on with you? And the following day she spiked a fever and she started to throw up. And I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, I read too much. And so I'm like, what if this is coronavirus? Sometimes it starts with gastrointestinal issues. Not normally though. And, uh, she just kept throwing up. So the next day she continued to throw up and I thought, well, if this is something it should be through her system already. And she's been like quarantined for three weeks. And so my husband has to leave to go to work because he's an essential worker, but not, none of us are really out of the house too much and definitely not her. So by the third day, took her to the pediatrician and then he was like, oh, you should probably take her to the emergency room because it could be appendicitis. And so like, that's the last place you want to go right now, right? You don't want to go to the doctor and you don't definitely don't want to go to the emergency room. So that is where we wound up last Thursday and Um, thankfully, believe it or not, this is so bizarre, but it was a UTI. I know that's so weird. I've never seen it present that way where, um, you're throwing up and you have a fever, but anyway, a bag of IV fluids and some antibiotics, and she is back to her spunky self. Thank goodness. Um, and luckily here in Arizona, we live kind of on the outskirts of the city and it was the emergency room was really, really quiet. Thank goodness. And, um, I was really surprised. It's a brand new hospital. It's, um, way up North and, and it's just not even part of the metropolitan area. And I think Phoenix is, seems like it's, um, quieter than a lot of States right now. Knock on wood, right? Everything can change at any time. So anyway, that was a long introduction about me. <laughs> How are you doing? I want to tell you that today we're going to be talking to an AT parenting community member, I have this ongoing series where the first Tuesday of every month, I bring on a member to talk about uh, an experience of raising a child with anxiety or OCD. I do believe that we all learn and get support from hearing each other's stories. And I like to bring on other parents just to share what they're doing, um, their experiences and things that we can learn from them. And just to know that we're not alone. I think that's the biggest message. So today on this episode of Member Spotlight, 
I have Gina on and she talks about her daughter's struggles. And she also talks about just how this is impacting her um, through the coronavirus and the pandemic and staying home. And so she has a really nice perspective on it that I think that you'll find uplifting. The audio, it's not that great. So I apologize. Sometimes the audio just doesn't go well when I am recording someone else talking and I'm not in charge of their audio. So um, I try to fix it up as much as I can and hopefully you can hear her and uh, it's not too annoying. So without further ado, here is my interview with Gina. All right. Well, I want to welcome Gina to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And this is actually part of uh, the ongoing series that I have where I invite um, an AT Parenting community member to come on and share their story. But I feel like this is actually a more special interview because it's happening at a time, we're recording this at a time where things are just changing globally for all of us. And I think not only will it be nice to hear your story as far as just your journey with raising an anxious daughter, but also like how you're adapting and how you're coping and we're all trying to cope. So we'll just jump in. If you can just give people a background about your life and what's going on, not now, we'll just get the background. Yeah. Um, so my daughter is, um, she's 11 years old and um, we knew pretty early on that she had some things going on in her that were different. Um, I have four kids. So um, prior to having her, I had had a set of twins. So I had, you know, when you have twins, you have two different children that have different dynamics and characteristics. And so you kind of notice that when the third one comes along, you're like, you know, these are the differences. And, you know, you try not to compare your kids, but there were some very obvious things in the very beginning um, of her infancy of just, um, she did not sleep. Um, she slept in a swing. She was very colicky. She would not settle. Um, she did not handle eating well. Just, you know, I know that um, a lot of parents expect, experience this that have kids with anxiety, but they look back and they go, there was things in the beginning that I didn't really notice. And for me personally, there was always this sort of um, unrest in her, if that makes sense. She couldn't settle. And, um, you know, this continued and, and you're always kind of as a parent thinking, well, it's, it's the newborn stage or it's, well, they're two or they're, they're four or they're five. And there was always these, um, things where she struggled with adjusting and, um, handling change or being away from me or even me being out of the room and, um, just meltdown, you know, a lot. And I just thought she was, you know, just kind of, um, I thought it was behavioral, you know, when she was younger, I thought maybe she just needed more attention or something. And, um, it continued, you know, I put her in pre-K and she would have these horrible meltdowns in the car when I would pick her up from school. And I just, I didn't understand it. The teachers would say she sat all by herself all day and, she doesn't um, relate to the other kids. And I'm like, that's not the kid I know because she's very outgoing and very expressive. Um, then she would have these meltdowns in the car. And now fast forward to all that I've learned through your classes and reading. And, uh, you know, I think she was holding it together full and um, trying to maintain a composure, 
even at the age of four, you know, uh, trying to maintain some semblance of, of being okay, even though inwardly she was really struggling. Um, so by the time she hit kindergarten, it really started to, the OCD has started to come out more. I didn't realize it was OCD at the time, but she was having panic attacks at school every day, um, obsessing about the weather, uh, really afraid. We live in Florida, so, you know, a third of the year it's raining. <laughs> yeah. And she would be just panicking every day at school, thinking that the clouds were moving and that meant that there was going to be some kind of terrible rainstorm or a hurricane and that I wouldn't be able to get there to pick her up. And um, so her teacher mentioned to me, you know, I think your daughter might have anxiety. And it was bothersome to me that I didn't totally pick up on it because I'm, I consider myself a fairly intuitive person and I've struggled with anxiety and depression most of my life and how I did not pick up that that was what it was and that I was interpreting just her not wanting to go to school. Um, it upset me greatly, but I think sometimes, um, when we're so close, um, we miss things. Totally. Yeah. In the midst of parenting, you're just trying to keep them fed and alive and (laughs) shuffling them to and from school. And, um, you miss things. And, and also you, you know, like I said before, you're always kind of assuming that it's, it's something that they're working through like, Oh, well, she's just getting used to full day school. So that's, that must be what it was. Right. So at this point we ended up taking her to a therapist and the therapist spent some time with her several times. And after about the fifth time, she said, I really think she has OCD. And I was like, OCD. <laughs> That was not even anywhere on my radar. Um, And um, she worked with her for a while. And at one point she was just, she was so anxious and so fidgety that she couldn't really get anywhere with her. So we kind of stopped for a little while. And um, she started having these repetitive words in her head. She would hear the word hi over over and over and over again and um it got to the point where she would say i wish i could just die at five years old you know um so that was hard it was hard to to realize that you know she was she was facing this invisible monster and um that I needed to help and I didn't know how, you know? So, um, I have a really great friend who actually she, her son has autism and she knew of several people in the therapy community and she was able to help me get occupational therapy for her. Cause she also has sensory processing disorder. Um, so she had a lot going on. Um, and we were able to get some calming for her just through the occupational therapy. Her body just, needed that inward chaos kind of regulated. Mm -hmm. So um, we kind of got to a good place for a couple of years, not wonderful, but okay. You know what I mean? Like the the occupational therapy was helping. Um, But as she got older, um, now she's 11, we had a number of traumas happen in our family a couple of years ago that I I feel like kind of triggered everything to 
catapulted it to a whole new level. We left our home um, that we had lived in for 20 years. Uh, I've been married for 20 years. Um, my husband's mother has um, an illness, like a dementia, that causes, you know, um, sort of abusive behavior. And she was living on the premises with us. And um, it was just a really hard environment for my daughter to be in. She started having panic attacks regularly because of it. And my husband ended up in the hospital. And we just had a series of traumas that took yeah. place. And um, so kind of had to invite family to help with my husband's mom so that we could find a new place to, to live to sort of regulate what was going on with our family um, and because she was having panic attacks daily. Mm. And then the OCD started really ramping up um, the constant cleaning and the constant organizing and the repetitive thoughts and the thoughts of wanting to die. And I'm going to die if I don't do this. And I'm going to die if I don't do that. And just really hard things. Yeah. Um, but it was at that time that I found your podcast and it was a lifeline for me. Um, I had read all the books and, um, you know, watched YouTube videos from other people on OCD and, and, but there was just nothing out there like what you're providing. And I can honestly say it is the greatest blessing for our family because you're not just providing support to the kids through your YouTube videos, but to us moms who are, you know, drowning sometimes. Um, And it's just been invaluable. It's just been incredible. So I thank you for what you're doing. You know, I don't know how often people share how important it is the work that you're doing, but especially now in the climate that we're in with the uncertainty of our world and just also not just from a therapist's point of view, but the fact that you have children that are walking the same journey that we are and that you're giving us guidance, but you're also giving us room to not be perfect because you've shared, you know, when you've had hard days or, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have insight from somebody who's knowledgeable on a subject from an educational experience, but there's nothing like life experience. Oh, well, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. And I do feel like it is hard. And I think to, to know that it's a messy process, like regardless of how much knowledge you have and to be human. And I share that like vulnerability, which is kind of risky because therapeutically it could, it can make me look, you know, like I am unprofessional or I don't know what I'm doing, but I think it's more about showing the real side of things, like saying like, here, I even know my clinical stuff and I'm messing up or I'm missing things. Um, or my kids still sometimes don't get better and, and making it real. So I'm, I appreciate your words. Well, I think it's important because I think if we are able to be real, that transfers over to our kids because then they're allowed to have messy moments too. And yeah. I think if we perpetuate this lie that we can kind of tie it up in a bow, yeah. it doesn't do service to anyone. I mean, it's, it's hard. We have good days and we have bad days. We have wins and we have losses. And 
um, you know, within an hour, we can go from feeling really victorious about something to complete failure, you know, so. Totally. I totally get it. It's, (laughs) yeah, there's lots of grace in there. So, yeah. Yeah. And you bring up a good point too, that, that now um, more than ever, you know, it's, things are changing with the coronavirus and us all having to be kind of hunkered down, um, you know, how that's impacting our kids with anxiety or OCD and even just community. Like I have felt with having just my own community and having us in a community so connected, you know, to just say, Hey, how's everyone doing? And just having people from all over the world be like, this is what's happening over here. And this is what's happening over here. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, thank, thank goodness for technology. Um, my cable went out for like 10 minutes yesterday and I completely had a panic attack. <laughs> Not like a legitimate one, but I almost did because I thought, oh my gosh, this is the only thing that's keeping me afloat is this connection. Yep. And luckily it came back because I was like, check the router. What's going on? <laughs> we can, I can handle everything else, but I cannot handle this. <laughs> yeah, what would we have done a hundred years ago? I mean, there's just... I, I know time to have a quarantine, you know, now is the time, you know, where you can still stay connected to people, even though you might feel physically distanced, there's so much access. Yeah. So I have so much gratitude for that. I really do. I would try to wake up every morning thinking about what, what I do have um, to kind of like ground myself before I go out and see my kids. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about this. So you have, you have four kids. So you've got a set of twins and then you have two others. Yeah. Um, so Miss 11 is in the middle, right? Yeah. My twins are 12 and then she's 11 and then I have an eight-year-old. Okay. So you have very similar because I have an eight, 10 and 16. So my 16 is the outlier, but we have similar ages. So let's talk about how, how you're coping, how your kids are doing. Um, so in some ways I feel like, um, this didn't hit us as hard as maybe it is other families because we homeschool. So that's nice. the huge shift of, Oh no, my kids are home. What am I going to do with them? That's, <laughs> that's big. Parents, you know, who are, they're working or um, they're either working outside of the home or in the home, or, you know, they're, they're relying on the school system to educate them. And all of a sudden they're faced with, you know, how am I going to teach my kids? And this is all new and super scary. So um, that part of it kind of helped it to not feel so drastic, I think, because we are already in a rhythm of just learning at home. Um, So that has been kind of a distraction, I think, for my kids in that we've had a regimen already in place. Um, But there's still that, you know, we can't go out and, you know, go out to restaurants and. It was Florida on um, lockdown or you are able to still. No, they're not on lockdown, but most places are closed. I mean, you have grocery stores that are open and um, drug stores and gas stations. And I think um, like Target is still open. Thank goodness. <laughs> <Go ahead>. Target. <laughs> yeah, can't live without Target. Um, I can't. Amazing. So. Um, so that's great, but, um, and we have the beach, but they locked down Palm Beach. You can't go over there. I think there's other beaches that you can go to. We live in a community that has a pool that hasn't yet been shut down. So. Oh, really? That's interesting. 
I'm surprised. Um, Our community has. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And you're in Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure they will eventually. I'm kind of surprised they haven't yet, but, um, you know, so we've kind of kept busy with, with that, you know, just going outside and keeping up with our school schedule. And I've been honest with the kids about what's going on. I don't really like them to watch the news because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's yeah. a lot of um, fear mongering and mm-hmm. not that it's not incredibly serious, but I do think that the 24 seven news um, can become overwhelming. And yeah, definitely for everybody. Everybody. Like I, I, I'm careful how much I digest because it's, um, it's, you know, counterproductive to your anxiety if you're constantly feeding it. Yeah. Yeah. I am like moth to fire. Like I, like that's probably the thing I'm having the hardest time with, with my own anxiety is um, like I, I have, I like continually check the news and it's not healthy. And, yeah. and then I was like, nope, only morning. And like yesterday I made a rule. I was like morning and night and not in between. But like, like I literally, I could not stop. You know, so it's I know. I did that a couple of days ago and I ended up feeling like tight in my chest from it because yes. watching YouTube videos and, you know, they have all these theories and conspiracy theories that you, you could, you know, the internet's like a rabbit hole. You can it is. Hours. And so I, I found myself getting, you know, amped up a little and I was like, okay, I need to take a break. And, um, but I do think it's, um, it's really, it's interesting how we've lost some things, a lot of things, um, you know, sort of freedom to go and to spend time with people in person and, um, whatnot, but we've, we've gained time in a sense. Yeah. And that's a commodity that is rare. You know, we live in a very busy society and we're, you know, running our kids to and fro and we have huge, heavy schedules and everyone's busy and rushing and, and suddenly find ourselves with all this time. And so I've been really trying to process with my kids, you know, what are some things that we could make useful of our time? because um, it's not going to be forever. Um, there will be, hopefully, a, a sense of some, some sort of normal in the future. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to waste time that we have. So, and we do have. We, I mean, we, that's such a good point, because I do feel like there are, I was talking to my husband about this this morning, mm-hmm. and he's like the voice of reason to my voice of chaos, you know? And yeah. Like, there's, there are... Like no one would want this to happen, but there are there are some hidden gifts right now. I think that if we can shift our mindset, which I have to do on a daily basis. So my baseline will go back to fear. I wake up in fear, I feel panicky, and then I have to like reset my brain every day. And hopefully as that progresses, it'll become easier. And I share that because I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel that way. But there are gifts, like time is such a good one that you bring up because I never have enough time. Like I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that way. And now I have so much time because I'm normally in the car driving my kids everywhere. Sure. And so they even have some appointments still. My son still has drum lessons virtually and um, they're going to have therapy virtually, but I don't have to go anywhere. Um, they're going to have online classes um, like just that I purchase virtually and I get to just sit there and Yesterday we were driving out to go somewhere and I've never seen so many families 
walking together in this neighborhood and riding bikes. And like, normally you'll see one or two people jogging, but like there were groups of families out walking. I think there's more connection right now. We, um, because we live in Florida, we experience this on a different level. This is, you know, times a billion right now with the coronavirus. But when we have hurricanes, you know, this is what we do. We, you know, prep and we hunker down and we shut our shutters and we play games with our kids and we color and watch movies and, and do the things that we probably wish we could do more of. And um, so I think it's it's important to sort of, to do that and, and um, not just spend our time looking at what we can't control um, and enjoy the time that we're given. Um, yeah, I, I agree. How, how is their anxiety holding up? Or how is your 11 year old's anxiety holding up? She ironically is in a, in a pretty good place right now. Um, she has been, we found a really great therapist a couple months ago prior to all of this. She was in a really dark place back in um, November. Um, we had, her OCD had gotten so intense that we, we tried medication and um, for her, it didn't work. And, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in it in the right circumstances. And we tried three different kinds and she ended up having some really terrible um, side effects and withdrawals. And she's young, you know, that could change 10 years from now. I don't know, but it it just, it ended up being kind of a nightmare. And Mm -hmm. and you shared that too. I think that you had had that experience with one of yours, correct? Yeah. My 10 year old had activation syndrome and yeah, it was a complete nightmare. My other two are on small doses of SRSRIs and they're fine. Um, Everybody's different. Yeah. We had even done the genetic testing. Oh, did you? Yeah. And um, the ones that they had recommended, I mean, no idea, but you know, she has sensory processing disorder too. And so there's multiple things going on, but she's highly sensitive to medication. And so it just, it ended up being awful for about three months. And so we finally found a really great OCD therapist that's local and Um, She started occupational therapy again. So when this whole thing started, she had already been about two months into her new program. That's nice. So, yeah. And I was nervous. I really was because I thought, is she going to take some steps backward? Because this is crazy. This is like one of her biggest fears is, you know, getting a virus. Oh, no. You know? Um, And I I took your... Um, I listened to your podcast on how to talk to our kids about the coronavirus and the current state of our country and, you know, how you talked about leaving little breadcrumbs for them and, um, you know, we don't want to alarm them, but giving them truth and, um, but also normalizing some of it in that, you know, there's people die from the flu too. And, um, you know, we, we can't, we don't have a crystal ball, you know, we can't, 100% 100% definitively say that, you know, we're definitely not going to get it and it's not going to affect us. But we can say that this is what we've experienced is that people get the flu and most people recover and they're fine and um, talked about how it's, you know, we're really trying to protect the elderly and the immunodepressed. And, um, and she understood that. She did get a little bit scared and, um, but we just had really open conversations about it. I don't, I don't have the news on in front of her because she would, she would probably really get scared if, 
she heard something. Yeah. And I don't think the news being on is good for any, any child right now. Yeah. No. I mean, even my, some of my kids that are not struggling with anxiety, they're kind of like, you see their eyebrows go up if they hear. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, lockdown or whatever. They're like, are we going to be stuck in our house forever? So, but yeah. I did take her to, um, the grocery store a couple days ago. And when I got in there, I was kind of like, I shouldn't have taken her because, you know, the shelves are not on every aisle, but there are certain aisles where they're bare, the bread and the pasta. And, uh, but she had baked to go. And so, you know, I, sometimes I want to protect her um, from triggering, but at the same time, I don't want to project out that she's not going to be able to handle it. Because what if she is? And what if it's an opportunity for her to build up her her muscles, you know, against her anxiety? And um, this was a situation where she was able to. She she got a little bit afraid because she saw people with masks and gloves and the bare shelves. And she actually looked at me because I think she could tell by my body language that maybe I was kind of like... <laughs> okay, this is a little nerve wracking. And she said, are you anxious? And I said, yeah, a little, I don't like how I feel in here. I said, it makes me nervous just because it looks like people are scared and there's missing food, but I know that there's food at our house and everybody's just doing the best that they can to try to protect themselves and their families. And so, um, she just seemed almost like she exhaled a breath of relief in hearing me say that I was anxious too, because I think a lot of times our kids are so in their heads and they think that they're weird. You know, I remember feeling that way when I was growing up. I remember having anxiety as young as six, seven. And I I always felt like I was odd and weird. and, um, And I know she feels that way too. So I think she felt like, relief in knowing that she's not alone and that this is a normal thing to be afraid of. Yeah. There's so many unknowns. Um, we can't project out a week or a month and we really are in a, in a day to day, um, living situation. That's our new normal for now. And, um, but yeah, so I feel like it was a positive experience for her and, um, yeah, she hasn't seemed to be going backwards. And that's good. Yeah. I've been surprised at how resilient most of the kids that I work with have been. Um, and I think, and my kids too, I think they're, they're fighting an eternal battle like all the time and they're dealing with uncertainty all the time. And so I feel like they're handling this a lot better than I would have thought because this is kind of, they're normal um, on steroids, but you know I've just been surprised that I'm not dealing with crises at work the way that I thought I would, or with my own kids. So, and I like the way you said, like that you said that you were feeling anxious because I feel like that's almost like a lie detector for kids. Like I'm going to ask my mom how she's feeling, and if she's saying, "No, honey, I'm fine. Everything's great, rosy," then I know I can't trust anything she's going to say because obviously things are not fine. And this has got to be a little anxiety producing for any human being. And so it's almost like a little uh, litmus test, you know? So when you gave her an authentic, genuine answer, you know, I think that just gave credence to like the validity of whatever you're, whatever you're saying to her. Not that we want to pour a lot of our anxiety on our kids, but being frank and real and saying, yeah, this, this is very unnerving. You know, this is uh, something we're adapting, I think is, is a good thing. 
Yeah. I think there's a time and a place, you know, we don't want to be falling apart all the time. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, there is a time to, to be real. Yeah. I mean, you do it with the intention of, of sharing a lesson instead of venting or dumping on your kids, but letting them know, I get this is scary. This is scary for everybody. Every human being is scared. And then going into normalizing, you know, people are nervous and when they're nervous, they buy things and they're buying things um, at unprecedented amounts because they all think they're going to be staying at their house. But it's not like they're not manufacturing these things still right now, you know, and I like the way you said, we have plenty of food at our house. I think bringing it back to you and your house, you know, and what's happening in your world for kids instead of what's kind of abstractly out there is going to be really helpful because they can go into the pantry and they can see we have food. That's kind of what I do with my kids too. I said, I'm a planner, you know, I'm a planner. We are well stocked. We have everything we need. Um, we all may get sick. You know, we have cold medicine. We have things to take care of you. So again, breadcrumbs and previewing like, yeah, we might get sick. Um, you know, we have cold medicine, which is normalizing it to say we have cold medicine. Right. So that, you know, we're not gonna have to be rushed to the hospital. Um, there are certain things that I've had to do with my kids that probably cause them to freak out a little bit. Um, my daughter, my eight year old's a picker and she has just increased her picking behavior lately. And I don't know why. And so she like fell off her hoverboard and she got a couple of like scabs on her foot. And they're like, she's picking at them and they're like wide open and we can't really go to the hospital. Um, and so I probably got a little like panicky with her. I was like, you have to, you have to take control over this because we can't go to the hospital. <laughs> you know, and she just looked at me like, what mom, it's going to be okay. <laughs> We're all going to have our ugly moments, but. Oh yeah. They're yeah. All mixed in there. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> It's all under control again. We're, we're doing better. But yeah, I, I like the way that you're approaching it. And um, it is an opportunity for us to connect. So, so if there's one um, bit of advice that you can share with other parents who are going through this right now, um, as we wrap up, what would that be? Um, I would say um, lean in to what's going on as far as um, how you can know your kids in a new way um, and how you can help them feel like they can maybe even contribute in a positive way to what's happening. Um, I feel like um, one of the things that I, I feel like you've taught it multiple times is, you know, we kind of do the, when we're talking to our kids about their OCD or their anxiety, a lot of times the treatment is to do sort of the opposite of what they naturally feel like they want to do. So if they're afraid, when we're afraid, we feel like we want to retreat or we want to hide or recoil. And um, so I think it's, it's a time to like engage in, um, in with our kids and spend more time with them and, you know, let, let the organization project that you thought you would just work on because you have time to do it now and just sit down on the floor and play with your kids, you know, do a puzzle with them, listen to them tell you about TikTok. I mean, my kids are either into TikTok and, you know, these different funny YouTube videos and it's totally different from how I grew up, but this is what gives them life and is encouraging them and is helping them sort of detach from what's going on. So just lean into that and, um, and just as human beings, I think, too, just 
instead of retreating, find ways to do the opposite, whether that's sharing um, with somebody that you know is alone or reaching out to somebody. Or I love that we have the capabilities online to communicate with people. There's Facebook and Instagram, and there's ways to encourage people and Zoom conferences. And our kids will see that, and they'll figure out their own ways to you know, somehow give back and share and pour into people and so, yeah, I would just say don't waste, don't waste. Them. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really good advice. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope that you found that episode helpful. Uh, it's always good hearing about other people's stories of how they're handling it. It kind of feels like home when you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so similar to me. And it's, it's a real good message that you are not alone. And even if you don't have friends or family who are going through what you're going through, there are hundreds of thousands of us that are going through it as well. So I hope that you're enjoying the podcast in general. If you are enjoying the podcast and you have a moment, which a lot of us have more of those um, lately, although I am actually feeling more crunched. (laughs) I don't know how you're feeling, but now I have to monitor homeschool and I have to work from home. I have to do my teletherapy. I actually feel like I have more on my plate now than ever before. So some of you might be feeling that as well. But for those of you that have the extra 10 seconds, if you can hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast, that actually greatly gives back to the show. And it's a really simple way to give back. If you have a few extra seconds and you feel like sharing what you've learned or what has helped you through this podcast, I love that. But also parents really appreciate that because I'm one to read reviews and so are other parents. And that lets them know this is kind of worth their time and effort. So to show my gratitude, I always like to end the show reading one of them. And I want to say thank you to Foucher Street, who wrote beautiful, incredible wealth of free knowledge done with humor, compassion, and quirky flavor. A truly beautiful podcast for me, a parent trying to help my beautiful special daughter. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating my quirky flavor and my humor. I always like it when people think I'm funny because my husband insists that I'm not, which is so rude, right? He should have my back. But anyway, he does not, not on my humor anyway. So I hope that everyone stays um, healthy and safe and entertained. And I will be back as always next Tuesday with a whole new episode. Take care and don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 